0: hey guys um welcome to another episode of fierce real and unfiltered this is not like a normal intro because i actually recorded this episode with this amazing amazing man named scott tiffany we actually virtually met on TikTok, and i don't know what drew me into him i'm, I'm thinking it's because i saw him with his kids this big old dude with like six one he said he was and like he was doing his daughter's hair like brushing her hair braiding I don't remember what it was but like that really got me so initially when I met him I obviously I don't know anything about him um and I'm like but I'm like getting emotional about this because one I feel horrible that I didn't think this episode was I didn't put this out sooner because this pandemic has gotten um, pretty rough for me, for somebody who has mental illness. Uh, Every day I, I deal with depression. I had no idea I was gonna do this, but I was listening to this playback with him before I posted anywhere and this man has no idea how amazing he is and how far in life he's gone. Um, But there's a reason why I'm posting this now because I was going to wait till tomorrow because I have an episode that we did with him about the divorce and I mean that was a crazy story but honestly he's moved past that it's like at this point compared to this episode, it is so important that I release this episode today with what's going on with the pandemic, how everyone's feeling. People with no mental illness is having issues with staying at home. It's been like a couple months for people and they can't find themselves like getting out of bed. It is an unknown situation for all of us and we're all scared, we're not alone. but. There is light at the end of the tunnel and you can be happy today with everything that you have now. You don't have to wait to be happy. You can control your mind. And I'm living proof and so is Scott. We are successful, we're happy, but we live some fucked up lives, like both of us. I am gonna call him after this um, because he's actually driving seven hours somewhere. And I told him that I was gonna Drop this episode tomorrow since I already dropped an episode this morning, um, but I'm not waiting. I'm going to drop it today because people need to hear what we're going through as a strong person. We are so strong. We got superpowers to control our mind. And if you guys can't control your mind and you can anybody control it, anybody can control their mind and you can actually be happy every day. It's all in here. There's nothing that you could be a billionaire. You can have everything in the world, but if you don't have a strong mind and you're depressed or you're going through some mental illness and you can't seem to relieve it, and you can, that's how, make, that's how people commit suicide. That's why Robin Williams is not with us anymore. That's why Anthony Verdane is not with us anymore. Don't you think they had all the money in the world? Don't you think they had all if they wanted all the psychiatrists, the best therapists? It's all in your head. If you live for other people and live for other people's happiness and not your own, you're not going to have a healthy lifestyle. And there is more than enough time starting today to live the life that you wanna live. Anything that you can dream of, you can do. And this pandemic is not gonna bring us down. It's gonna level us up any time that you've ever, and you can think about about it with your own life. Don't believe me. Every time you've gone through trauma, every time you've gone through some shitty things, didn't you not like level up from that? Did you not learn from that? Did you not become a better person? That's the same exact that thing that's happened with this pandemic. The world is not closed. Everything is right now. If you want to start a business, if you want to learn, if you want to, everything in the world right now is virtually. It's still going. The time doesn't stop just because there's this pandemic out there. Obvious stay at home. Be safe. For all of us if you don't if you don't care about your own well-being like at least care about the the babies if you don't like babies i don't know what to tell you like we are all we all want to go out don't you think i want to go out there like i want to go out there too but i not only i do i care about my kids and if i'm gonna bring it home myself but everybody else out there you're being selfish if you're not staying at home but what i'm saying is do not let this moment debilitate you what i would say what i would how I got out of bed and I'm fucking hustling, grinding, killing it in the world. I shouldn't use the word killing, but nothing brings me down. It might take me a day or two to get out of bed. It might take me a week to get out of bed. You need to listen to inspirational speeches. Um, my good friend and motivational speaker Jerris um, has a YouTube that I it got me out of bed. My his brother Dion, who's a pastor, comes on our podcast. We talk every day, and I have a group that literally by accident i had created um back in november when i was going through a trigger my PTSD trigger came back um because i i saw my rapist back in august and it like i didn't even realize during the time that it it triggered my ptsd and um then i had like relationship problems because when you're dealing with internally your mind your emotions and you're in this place you are not thinking you're not being rational you're you're emotional you don't even know why you're like that and it's not your fault it is because you're human what i'm not gonna allow it to do is debilitate me so i i had a i have always been somebody who does not have a filter who does who will ask all the questions that people are thinking about who will say the things that people are thinking and afraid to say and it's a curse and it's a blessing because um, on my social media page on facebook i would post things that i was going through because i knew that social media was fake like nobody nobody that's showing their life on social media is actually their true life they are showing the best moments in their life so they're not showing the crying They're not showing like they're not showing that they want to show the perfect life and it's not fucking true like if you saw easter this past couple of weekends i don't know when it was i love jesus but um people were having Beautiful and I love the pictures keep them coming. I might post whatever you want to post just not nudity or anything crazy But people have like matching pastel like colors and matching their kids and smiling with their happy family But meanwhile, we're all locked down. Do you think we are happy during Easter while we can't even be with our loved ones? We can't even touch our loved ones like even with my kids like we're like, oh, no coronavirus Like we're washing our hands every two seconds It is definitely a different world that we live in but what I will say is that people's opinion of you, I know people are very irritated being in the house together. It's because people are scared and they don't realize that the things that they're saying, if, they're, if it's abnormal, like for instance, the first day of our lockdown, when all of this was going down, but when we actually had our governor, who was amazing, um, tell us that we had to stay in our homes for our safety, My parents live with me and and my kids, and we were arguing about Chick Fil A, y'all. We were arguing about Chick Fil A, and I mean, like when we say argue, I had to go outside. My mom was crying. I I think I was crying. I don't know. I was so mad. I had to go out to my porch, and I called Jairus, actually, Um, I called my best friend Corey, and then I called Jairus because he didn't pick up, and Jairus picked up, and he, you know, he calms me down like. If you ever heard any of my episodes, on episode five, I talk about helicopters. I talk about things that gets me out of a funk. So my helicopters are things like um, I call my therapist, I call my friends, I listen to inspirational music. I um, Kevin Hart is like my favorite comedian, and I he's literally on my background. Like I have to have comedy behind me, and there's a lot of things that get you out, and you have to find that and like. Grab onto it right now because the moment that you get out of this funk is the moment you're going to find that you can do so many other things and grow from this moment. But when your mind is not clear, when you're not at a place where you can't even like get out of bed or showering is a thing, or like you want to drink at 9am because you want to cope with whatever you're feeling. I did that too. The first two weeks I was like out. I was my group members who I would, you know, there's over a hundred of us that I, that I help and they help me. Thank God I have that group because social media won't allow me to be myself. Like I could not post on my public page what I really felt. So back in November, I created this private group and it was like 10 or 15 of the people that I picked, which one of them was, you know, they're not all like people with mental illness, but people that can understand me, people that have been in my life for so long and anything I I can say, the craziest shit. And they would just be like, okay, that's crazy, but are you all right? Like they love me for who I am. And that's how I love people too. And my, I have an amazing, amazing family, I have an amazing um, group of friends that we grew up together. But when you don't have mental illness and you say the wrong thing, and it could be just one wrong thing out of our 36 years of friendship. If they said that one wrong thing, it replays in our head because that's part of my PTSD. It re, the bad things that you feel that you don't want to feel anymore, it replays in your head. And that's part of mental illness. The worst thing that you can possibly think of that did not happen is your anxiety. Then you throw depression in there that makes you so sad. Think about the saddest day in your life, which for me, is my grandma passing away because she's like my, my rock, my everything. Like when it's really bad for me and I never used to be a church person and now I'm like all about God. She was so religious when she was alive that I found a Catholic church and I go in there and I literally just smell the the air in church which sounds weird but it, it reminded me of her because we would go to church if she could like four or five days a week I mean I didn't but like she did Oh don't know if she went then I went um because that was my oh she raised me um but anyways and then when we would come home she'd watch like mass on tv and like with a rosary so when she passed a part of me is still gone, but when I need that extra, like I did all my helicopters, everything is like, I, I did it and I need that extra like sprinkling of like, you can do this Lucy, because you can. Lucy, anybody, you whoever is watching this, if you're here listening to me talk and listening to my episodes and listening to things to try to make you better, you are already ahead of the game. You are, because a lot of people are now feeling bad for themselves, what they're doing is complaining and this negative vibe that does not bring anything to them that's positive all it's doing is making them more mad more upset and it does not move them up any closer to where they want to be yes we all lost our jobs me too but i have another source of income because we can we need to adjust with what our world is we can't change what's happening in our circumstances we cannot change any anybody else but what we can do is adjust ourselves And we can, and we can make anything happen, regardless of the circumstances, if you really think that you can do it, and you can It's all in the mind. And I was having a hard time, I was talking to Dion and Jaris, and we were coming up with this plan to help people because our group, I wish we can have this supportive, kind, like you can say whatever the fuck you want to say, and no one judges you, right? We, in a healthy way, we help each other cope with our mental illness, cope with what's happening. People don't have mental illness, and they're in there, and they're feeling it too. It's been like six weeks, seven weeks for, for, for certain people, you know? And it's hard. This shit is not normal. None of the things that we're going through is normal. This is trauma. This is considered trauma for me. Some of us will get PTSD from this because we don't want to ever feel like this anymore. Like people that didn't save up enough for an emergency fund, they feel broke, they feel hungry, they feel whatever. You, when the the world opens up for people that are not like me and you, because we know that it's open, like it's in the virtual world, they're gonna have PTSD. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a therapist. What I am is I lived I lived a life and I learned from it and I'm happy every day, even when I was sad, even when I was like in bed sleeping. Let me tell you something, I was grinding, I was hustling, my mind was there. My body was like, girl, you've been battling this war that no one sees in your head, you're tired. And I let my body do whatever it is. if you need rest, I'll rest. But I'm not going to stay there. You can be sad. You can be sleeping. You can drink for a day or two, but you—that's not how you want to level up. How you're going to level up is getting out of bed, listen to inspirational music. If you can't get out of bed, you put posted notes everywhere, and I'll show you that I have posted notes literally everywhere. I have a vision board. I have everything—a helicopter that's going to help me level up—and you can do the exact same thing. Our brain automatically makes us feel like we're not enough and we are we're enough the way we are you can change if you're in a bad place right now you don't have to be in a bad place forever you don't have to be sad instantly you can actually right now be happy because you know what you're gonna do you're gonna be like i'm happy and you're gonna say that until you feel it and you don't think that you're enough you are enough when people tell you like all these lies are not true like you're fat, you're ugly, you're too much. And you know what you say out loud until you believe it because that shit happens. I don't know what happens when you like, say it on the air. You say it's not true, it is not true, it is not true. I have saved lives, literally walked into somebody in, in, in my son's room actually, she almost committed suicide. And I get people out of this phone and not only is she living, she's thriving. She has gotten a second chance of life and she's 22 years old and almost killed herself. You can absolutely change your life. You can af- absolutely be happy right now if you want to. Jerris and Dione and I are coming up with a, um, a a step, three steps to get you where you want to be. The first thing is your mind. That's The only thing that's stopping you is yourself. And it's up here and you can do it. All of us in that group has literally... I've trained them, and i we've all been supportive. Social media is not where you want to go. If it makes you have anxiety, unfollow people. You don't have to delete them. I know you're like, I don't want people to be mad at you. I deleted three, 2,558 people off of my friends list just the other day because every time I would go on social media I, on my personal Facebook, I would have anxiety because I would think about like, oh my God, are they gonna judge me? Because I curse too much, I don't have a filter, I'll say whatever I wanna say, but that was my platform that, that I used to be very comfortable in that I got taken away from me and I let it happen and I take full responsibility for that. But then I got back to control and I said, I, I and you can read my personal social media right now, Lucy Cerezo on Facebook, it's still out there about how I had to Basically, I had a breakup note with them. I had a breakup letter with all the people that were that I had to delete. And a lot of them were family and friends because they had said some, something to me like one time. I mean, it could have been like when I was 12 and it still hurts me to this day. And I work with it and I'm fine and I love them. They love us. They just don't know how to love us. You have to understand that sometimes we have to step away from our own ego and our own emotions and our own thoughts about what we think people feel. We are not entitled to ever judge, ever say that you understand someone's feeling when you absolutely do not. Um, The only person that can judge us is our maker. Whoever you believe is your higher being, whatever you think it is, that is that is the thing that judges you. You are, as a human being, we can't judge each other unless your hands are clean um from all sins from all bad things you never curse anybody out you never uh, thought bad about somebody you never said if that state whatever that's still like sinning so whatever but nobody's perfect and you don't no one gets to do that i don't get to tell people how to feel i don't look you can hear this and you can take whatever you can take from this um but my whole entire life i am dedicating my entire life now leaving my six-figure job. I had an amazing and very successful um, accounting firm, and I'm still doing that. But what I come to realize is that I have always lived on this, I've always walked on this path to help heal people, to relieve people from themselves, from that like tightness in your, in your chest, like that sad feeling that you get. You're like, what is this feeling? Why am I so sad? And if people allow me to help them, I will do whatever I can that I possibly can. I am an empath, and I'm not able to work with multiple people at once, one on one. But what I can do is tell you what I've done that absolutely works for me: bringing professionals on my platform and have them also give them their own insight, because we all, you know, we all think different ways and we cope in different manners. But what you, what I want everybody to know is that we're going to get out of this. You can absolutely be happy right now. You can absolutely, you can change your, none of anything that you've done in your past does not define you. And I'll tell you one story that literally, I was working on myself, and this is the one story, I, I can't believe I'm about to fucking drop this. I'll tell you one story that in my group, I had so many people debilitated over something they did many, many years ago, and they could not forgive themselves. And that is the biggest thing that you can do for yourself, this present that you want to, that is priceless for yourself, is forgive yourself. As long as you don't make those same mistakes over and over and over, do not define your your past, that you are that now. You're not that. Everybody can change. I dealt with my mental illness because I didn't know I had, dep- I didn't, ha- I have depression, I have anxiety, I have PTSD, I have OCD, I have ADHD, and none of those things I'm 36 years old, and none of those things I knew about. I didn't know I had any type of mental illness until I was going, um, getting, I was actually trying to work my marriage out and went to um, counseling. And that's when I found out I had depression, anxiety, um, OCD, and then um, I just found out what PTSD meant because. Not too long ago, I think like last year, I found out that that because I thought PTSD obviously. Anyway, I thought PTSD was for um, the military only, but it's any time you've gone through trauma. It could be anything smaller, big car accidents, anything, divorce, um, anything that makes you feel like holy shit, it's the end of the world. I mean. This this is an example of a trauma. This is going to be the only time when anybody can feel what people with mental illness feels like. And let me tell you something. There's one in four that has mental illness. And mental illness is completely fucking normal. If you have a cold, if you had the flu, if you had the sniffles, that's body health, right? But then we also have mental health. And an example of mental health is anxiety, depression, PTSD, things like that. So body health is cold and flu. The biggest difference is that we cannot, the outsiders cannot see the sickness or the illness that people go through like me. Um, they can't touch or feel where when you sneeze, you can, people can hear it. People can even see the color of your snot. When people have mental illness, there's no thermometer to, you know to check our heads. It's us. There's no visually you cannot see from the outside from the streets you can't see me being sad you can't see the inside of what I'm battling every day and that's where this kills a lot of people it is a leading cause of death and you can google it yourself Um, and social media has been been I they don't have studies on this but they can't understand why um, it skyrocketed as much as it has and the last time I checked I mean, it's ridiculous. It went from like, I don't know how, it was asinine of how many people killed themselves from one year to the next. I think I saw like, I don't know, I keep on throwing out the numbers, but go to the CDC yourself. Don't believe me, you don't know me. My name is Lucy Cerezo. You can look me up, I am real. Um, but it went from like a thousand to like ridiculous, like seven, 12,000 one year. And a lot of it's our kids. A lot of it is us, Our our age group right now, I'm 36. We are in the dangerous group of committing suicide. And you can Google this. You can research it. You can go and like do your own studies on this. Do not believe me on this. Do it yourself. But I can tell you that if you ever screenshotted a, um, I just made is that a word? But if you ever screenshot anything to your to your friends to make fun of anybody, if you ever made yourself look so perfect on social media and you weren't that you were about to get divorced, I did the same thing. I was also guilty that leaves our kids with a fucked up world you know why because then our kids following our footsteps and now we're making fun of people and before when bullies when we dealt with bullies back in the day the bullies stayed at, at fucking school and now they don't stay at school they're on the internet and it stupid goes viral i say this all the time and i should really like um really copyright that I think I, I need to like put that on a T-shirt. But anyway, stupid goes viral really fast. You don't. A lot of things go viral, but you see the dumb shit that people do go viral. But the things that are good, like the things that people do that are like helping others, you don't see that as often. Right now, we have racism on top of this pandemic with Asians, and I see more videos and more hear about more news than than I ever need to know about how many Asians actually get hurt or get beat up because. The coronavirus came from fucking china which by the fucking way you know i'm not gonna go into that it does not i'm i'm american i'm born and raised here okay i never stepped foot in china but this doesn't give it doesn't even matter we are not the reason why this fucking our whole I, go fucking google how many countries there are in fucking Asia. okay china is in asia please research it yourself please don't make the don't be another problem on top of this okay we don't actually need anymore like all of us on ourselves are so hard on ourselves so diane jairus and i are coming up with something that we can help others feel better about their situations now we can't make you rich i'm not saying that i'm not saying i'm not promising nothing if you do exactly what you we've asked you to do you can absolutely be fucking happy today And we're coming up with it now, we're actually having a meeting um, later today and I will post it on my website, I will post it on social media, I'll have, you know, I'm sure they're going to post it on their social media so that we can reach as many people as we can. Maybe today, I mean, hopefully listening listen to this episode. It has taught you something about yourself. Takes anything that you can grab to make yourself feel better. The only person that can help you with your mind is yourself. And I say this all the time. I... I'll say two things and then I got to go. But one, everybody has gone on an airplane, most of us. And when the oxygen mask comes off, drops down, um, they say to always put your mask on first before you, you give it to your child because if you don't help yourself first, you're not able to help your child, you're not able to help anybody, Like you're dead. So the same concept with life, with everything that you're going through. If you are not happy with yourself, if you're not at a place that you want to be at, you can't give advice. You can't be the parent, the sister, the, the friend, the spouse that you want to be if your mind isn't where where it should be, which is positive. And you can absolutely change your thought. Absolutely, you can change that. You can't change your circumstance, but everybody makes decisions off emotions and that's where we fuck up that's where we end up in a place that we don't want to be and you can absolutely make a situation really really bad um that's really bad that you think actually have a a positive outcome so the second thing i want to say is um i have dory brain the second thing i say is oxygen and what is the second thing that i want to say i have dory brain which it actually when I uh, was doing my PTSD, I went to our marriage counselor and she told me that I had PTSD because I kept on having these um, these flashbacks of my um, rape that I had that was done to me when I was a toddler and I didn't know I got raped until I was 13 going to health class. But she did some type of thing like she was just like, oh, I work with, you know, people with um, trauma and I can, you know, you can absolutely not erase the memory, but you don't have, you won't see it 3D anymore. I was like, at that point, I'm like almost 30 or 30 and i was like yeah whatever like i can sure i'll do it you know what's what's what if it's gonna help me i'll try it so she did this thing and i literally did it and i was like this is you know when you go to school you listen to like right ear did like do you hear that ding and i'm like yeah it was like that so i didn't, I didn't think it was gonna work and it fucking worked y'all like i used to wake up every morning and think of anytime i had a quiet moment and that's the reason why i always had to have sound behind me i think about i get the flashback but now it's like blurry well before it was blurry and then my trigger started and now the flashbacks are coming back and i had to work i had to work on that and and i i worked it out because i know my body and i recognize it but you need to oh this is what i was gonna say we can we love our kids well a lot most of us do there's some parents out there that's like all over the place but um we love our kids but we can't we can take our kids to the water but we can't drink for them So as much as anybody wants to help you, we can all, as a whole world, can be behind you and be like, the water's right there, drink it. If you don't want to drink it, then you're not going to drink it. That is, everything that happened to you, you have to take responsibility and accountability for yourself. Whether someone did something to you, you don't have to sit there and feel that way. You don't have to sit there and take anything that you don't want to take you can absolutely be healthy. You can absolutely be happy. You can actually cope with your mental illness in a healthy way and not try to numb it. Because if you numb it, you're not, all you're doing is covering up your feelings and it just will just get worse. Because it will come up in some type of way um, in your lifetime. So I want you guys to be shown out there, be positive, put post notes, say things out loud. If you have things that are running in your head and you can't seem to like go to sleep, r- write all these things from your head into a journal. And, and that really helps take a shower 30 warm shower 30 minutes before you go to bed it relaxes your body do not take your phone in the room I don't have a TV in my room I, I have a um, white nose in the background I read before I go to sleep all these things that you need to do to better yourself is out there for you to Google every things are free out there to help you so I love helping people and I love to Love knowing that I can lift someone's burden for at least five minutes or an hour or a whole day or their whole lifetime. This is a lifetime commitment. If you do want to change your life and want to be happy every day, it's not something that you learn and you don't have to practice it every day. You do. Some days you have to practice it more. Some days you have to practice it less. But it is a lifetime commitment. But you can do it because I can do it. and I'm, I came from poverty and I'm living six bedroom home on the water with my dream car that I manifested because you need to watch the secret. Anything you manifest, anything you think of is going to happen. If you think about bills, bills are going to show up. But if you think about money, you're going to get money and it actually happened. I can show you. And this is going to be on my course where I tell everything about myself and how I got to the place I am now, which is help, which is happy, healthy. I am, this pandemic has brought me down for for a moment but it didn't keep me down now i'm in a different business and i'm doing exactly what i love making money off of it so please be mindful of your body please be mindful of how you're coping with this please love yourself enough to know that you can absolutely be happy i didn't think i was going to do this but i had to do something with this pandemic because it is literally breaking my heart to see how many people have hurt themselves when they can absolutely change their life right now so i think i didn't cry but Catch this podcast. Catch other episodes about divorce, about bullies. I will continue to do podcasts. I will continue to be, you know, a light for my group. I will continue to post on social media as much as possible to help people get through this moment. Laughter helps. Smiling helps. So positive. That's what you need to do is sprinkle some positive on you. All right. We're on another episode of Fierce, Real, and Unfiltered. Uh, we have Scott back on. And he has a really interesting childhood. Scott from TikTok, the influencer with $285,000. I don't know how we got into this subject. I think I asked him why or how he's so calm. And he talked about his childhood and kind of was like nonchalant about everything. So I was shocked to hear what he had to say. So I'm pretty sure that my listeners will actually be very shocked as well. Um, He has come a long way, he's very successful now. So I want you guys to know that like, a lot of us are going through so many things in our lives and we had a childhood that, you know, not everybody had the greatest childhood, Um, but you can come out from that and actually be successful and happy. And it's, you know, he's living proof of that. And that's the reason why I wanted him to talk about his childhood. because that divorce story was already crazy, but you guys need to hear about his childhood. So do you want to say hi to everybody, Scott? Hello. How's it going? So um, let's just go right into it. Like, we he dropped the whole, I was patient because my dad's an alcoholic and my mom is a drug addict. So then I was just like, what? So your parents are married and then got divorced when, you're, when you were two. And your brother is eight years older than you. And he... He raised you when you were born, like, in diapers? Like, that's all you remember was your brother taking care of you when you were younger? Because both of your parents were was not coherent enough to do it? I don't quite remember my
1: childhood while I was in diapers. I remember basically from, like, age five on. Um, but, you know, my, my mom would, she would cook and, and make meals and stuff like that. But there was there was a lot of periods of time where she would just be bedridden for months and she wouldn't work. and She would just be high all the time, you know, and... um.
0: So and she was bedridden to, from drugs.
1: From drugs, yeah. Just having just, like no energy, just not wanting to do anything. She there was times when she wouldn't do any cleaning. The the dishes would pile up on the table, and she would just throw a blanket over them, you know, and get plastic forks and and plates, and you know that would be our silverware and stuff if we wanted to make mac and cheese or whatever. So or eat cereal, you know. So I mean, there, there was there was periods of time that was on and off. Sometimes she would.
0: Did you know that she yeah. was on drugs? When you said she was bedridden no. at five years old, did you know? Looking back at it now, you can see why she was I like that. No
1: I didn't I didn't actually know there was anything really going on until my teenage years when I could start to smell, like, that skunky marijuana smell throughout the house. And I'm like, what, what is that smell? And my mom would just laugh and be like, there's nothing. You know, it's it was just, I had no clue. Like
0: 13, 14, you mean, that age? Or, like, when you were in high
1: school? Probably, probably 12, 12, I don't know, it was like 12, 13. It was middle school, middle school.
0: So, it was, so you were smelling marijuana and... When she was debilitated in bed, was she just doing marijuana? Is She's just sleeping because of that.
1: No, there. I mean, she um, she has depression problems, and she gets this. This is gonna be kind of messed up. Um, she has depression problems,
0: and she would get like, uh, what do you call those narcotics? Like uh, oxy and, and oxy you know, like, and um, Percocets.
1: Yeah, what do they, what do they call those? Those are, those are a type of drug, type of drugs. There's a certain like a narcotic. There's like a certain name for it. I have no um, idea.
0: They make me nauseous, sure. so I don't.
1: Oh. Well, she she would get those as prescription, um, and she would. For, that's one. for pain, though. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there was there was ones for
0: depression that she would take. Oh, and so she, like she, so, Xanax is for anxiety, and I take Lexapro for antidepressants, but they don't make me feel high or anything. No, I, So you're I don't, talking I don't. about you're talking about antidepressants because they're not. Nar- I don't know if they're narcotics, but they're not Percocet and Oxycodone. That Percocet and Oxycodone, I know that they're pain meds because when I had the kids when I came home, I was prescribed those. So you're talking about pain meds, or you're talking about antidepressant, or like...
1: They're, they're antidepressants, she was getting... Well, she, was, she was getting pain meds for a while, too, because there was a car accident. She was claiming that she was still sore in her neck and back. She was going to a chiropractor for a long time. And uh, so she was getting pain meds, and she was getting uh, meds for depression. Um, so I don't know exactly what drugs there were, but I know that she would get them, and she would sell them under the table. And um, so she would take that money and spend them on other drugs, whether it be like... Uh, cocaine or more marijuana or whatever even there's I don't exactly know what drugs I just know eventually she came out and said she was on heroin and cocaine and stuff order her whole basic since, since she was 15 on you know she's she's been addicted to drugs and um, so she would she get the uh, Medicaid pre- prescription sell them, take that money spend it on other drugs do the drugs and it would just be a not an ongoing process and um, she eventually got caught for it later on um, like twice I think she got caught for it
0: I mean, when you um, say caught, you're sure. talking about the cops or your dad, like?
1: Police, police. Um, so she got caught. She had served time for it. She ca- She's caught selling
0: or caught using or both?
1: Selling, selling.
0: Her prescriptions Sell- that she got from the doctors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is when you were still living there as as a kid, or this is like?
1: She got she got caught after I moved over. So she was she was getting away with it while I was living there, because um, she wasn't working. So she was getting money, but she wasn't working. So she was just taking her pills, selling them. She wasn't taking the pills. Um, she was you know, doing. All so that
0: it programs. must have been pain meds. It can't be like antidepressants because you can't sell there's enough you can't feel antidepressants don't feel like you're getting high. So she must be taking pain meds or getting pain meds from her accident and selling those. Now those have street value, percocets and oxycodone, those have street value. Um, Xanax has it, We're antidepressants, But if she was depressed, and, and she would need those Xanax. So I would assume that they, I don't know about drugs, but. She, she,
1: she, never, she never took Xanax. I know she was on uh, Valium. Um, uh, what's the ones that they held, like uh, Brett Favre candy? I don't
0: um, I can't think of the name of it. It was like a drug for like pain that he was taking when he was playing football. So um, this is all from her doctor and she took that, she took those prescription that was for her and flipped that over in the streets and then got the drugs that she wanted okay so and that's I, how she also paid her bills because you said she didn't work so. some of them yeah
1: there, there was a long period of time where she was really bad into and she wasn't paying the bills at all and then uh, that's what around the age where i was actually starting to work um and i you worked I, at a yeah. young age
0: though when you said start did you start yeah. all right so we're back on from break Had to take a take a minute there to be a mom um so scott you you do have a lot of patience because this is like probably the third take <laughs> Uh, you're talking about how you're working at 12 because your mom couldn't afford the things that you wanted um like game consoles and things like that and you wanted to like get out the house at this point because at this point do you know that your mom is a drug addict and we haven't talked about your dad yet but like did you know all this is going on and this is the reason why you want to be out the house
1: really, not really at 12 i didn't you know i didn't i knew she was lazy and i knew she didn't really do much um but i didn't know why so yeah was your brother
0: out of the house? Cause he's eight years older than you. Yeah, he, was of,
1: he was out of the house at that point. He moved out as soon as he was eighteen. Actually, I think he moved out at seventeen. But. Were you
0: Were you guys close after? Cause your brother raised you, but were you close to him after he moved out? Did he come back to see you, or did you go see him?
1: Yeah. No. He came back to. Uh, he He really pushed me to get into sports, and I did not want to get into sports. I just wanted to sit home and play video games. Cause. As a kid, video games were my alternate reality. They were they were my escape from life. I could play a whole different life in a video game than my real life. Forget about my real life. You know, those was that, that was, was your coping mechanism
0: to reality. I mean, people. Well, they got to use video games instead of going the other direction where a lot of kids that are going through trauma. I mean, uses drugs. To be honest, like. Did you know that? Yeah. Or did you see that going around? I mean, in your neighborhood, I don't know what neighborhood you're going in. Did you see that going around in your neighborhood? Like, what made you say, this is the route that I'm going in? Because naturally, you're going into a route. Like, did you see your parents and you're like, nah, I don't want to be like that? Like, what made you do that?
1: Well, video games was introduced to me by my brother, and I just kind of fell in love with them. And uh, I, was, I was addicted as a kid. And that's, that's, that was like my childhood. Most of my childhood memories are video games, yeah. which is pretty sad. I no, did, I mean, did. all, I mean,
0: my brother did too. We played, yeah. we played super, I don't know, us too. Like, we, and mm-hmm. that's great. So you started working at 12 as a paper boy. Um, yep. And then.
1: You, and then um, when I turned 14, I ended up getting a job at McDonald's. And I worked for four years at McDonald's. But when I turned 15, very close to 16, um, I started another job. Now I started working rodeos on weekends. So I'd go to rodeos and I'd work uh, selling stuff in like little tents and you know, whatever. So you had two jobs
0: by the weekend. time you were 14, you're telling me? Three jobs? F- 15. 15. 15. Four. 15. 14. The kids, these days don't even work one. They can't even do their chores. And you're telling me you're doing two jobs. Seven days a week after school, you're doing this. like. Uh Yeah, Basically almost every day. And then when I turned 16, I added a third job. I started
1: uh, making stickers and stuff like that for a family friend late at night. So, I mean, I would I would be working until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and then I'd go to school at, you know, 7, whatever, 8 o'clock. Um,
0: you graduated so I, I, high school, like, doing I that? Did, would,
1: I, I, I did have to take summer school one year because I was doing really bad. Um, I mean, so how mom, did your mom – did your
0: mom care at that point? Like, you had to go to – she didn't, didn't know. even
1: know? She didn't really care, no. So, like so – I did okay in school. I was actually in sports. My 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 brother tried to raise me from a young age to get out of the house and go do things and be active because he was and um he he wanted to get me into sports. I didn't want to get into sports. And then he he took me to the gym. and He got me to the gym. Like work out with me. You know, I was I was working out with him since like the third grade. And um, so did
0: he tell you why he wanted you out the house? Or did he just say, "I have to do this and protect my brother and get him out the house"? And he'll find out later. Was he always trying to protect you? And he's like, "You need to get out. Mom and dad is not capable of taking care of you." Like, how did that all? As like, I mean, because he's still a kid. Like, how does he present that to to a child? Because you got you were a yeah, child. He never really said. He just said that I need to be better. I need to be better. I need to uh, better myself, and um, instead of just sitting inside and, and wasting my life away. And, That's protecting um, you. Do you know that? today that he did that to protect you that's like serious love right man i don't know your brother but
1: we had a lot of situations where he he showed like protection protection like there was oh boy there was this one time god i can't remember how old i was i had to have been 10 i think i was 10 and uh, i went and played video games at one of my friend's house and my friend and his older brother i was playing i was playing a game with them and i was beating them and my friend's older brother got so mad he took my game out which i saved up and bought myself um on my birthday money and he drop kicked it and i was crying i went home crying and my brother went over to his house he's like so let me talk to your brother let me talk to your brother and he didn't want to show up he grabbed them picked them up and they tossed them into like a bush and they called the police and that was just like one of many instances i mean he was always there to try oh. to protect me yeah yeah he was always there like,
0: that's so sweet so, what's your brother's oh, name he's, he's, Kirk. Kirk, you are, you, high five it, like I am high five, high five it, you are amazing, oh my god, your brother's amazing, look at that, and like, I mean, he learned that himself, I mean, obviously your parents did not teach him that, or did they? No, he
1: didn't, he didn't really, I mean, he had friends growing up, he didn't have, um anybody. he was like, super, super close with, he had a couple friends that he was super, super close with, and then me. So, but his friends, he didn't really have to feel like a
0: protector with me. He did. Yeah. Oh um, my God. I, God, your stories are like heart wrenching and like good. And you Now we're all like, and then what happened? <laughs> so you're 16 years old. I'm sorry. I'm all over glazed because I got so many questions. I'm trying to have you finish, but like, no, none of this is like a natural thing for me to be like, listen to you two and be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, and then like, and then what happened to your brother? Um, so at 16, you had three jobs. And yep, you literally. ended up finishing high school, even though you fit. You worked out three or four in the morning. You had school at seven, and you finished high school on time.
1: Yeah, no, I finished. I finished high school. Actually, I actually graduated early.
0: Um, and you did
1: so happy- fucking sports on top of that. I quit sports my sophomore year, which really sucks because I would have probably got a scholarship for college. I was one of the star athletes, um, and I had to, I quit them to work more when I was sixteen.
0: So. What were you Did you quit work Because you wanted more money Because you wanted to get out Or What were what was in your mind Did um, you not love sports enough A little enough? bit of both
1: My, my mom had to Keep borrowing money from me To pay the rent And the pay bills And stuff like that um, So I was giving her A lot
0: of money When and you say borrow time, She actually gave you back money Eventually she did Yeah um, oh. Like years Years after I graduated
1: yeah, so she, she kind of borrowed money from me, you know, like a couple hundred at a time.
0: So you are paying up. for rent. You're paying to, you are paying as an adult, you're paying bills. That's what, we just call it what it is. You, you paid bills yeah. as, you, that's why you got out of, that's why you got out of sports to help pay for the house bills. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I had, I bought my, well, I had a truck. I bought you're a so truck nice. Truck. You're like, your mom bought, my mom borrowed money
1: for me to pay rent.
0: I'm like, that's not borrowing. <laughs> that's a child paying for household bills.
1: But, I mean, she did pay me back, so technically it's borrowing. But, yeah, I mean, at the time, I didn't know if I was going to get it back. You know, I was just kind of on faith. You know, I hope I get it back. But I um, I bought a truck when I was 16, and then I bought a motorcycle, and my brother signed a loan. Oh, I'm sorry. I bought a motorcycle alright, oh, from my brother. And then after, like, a year later, I actually bought a motorcycle when I was 16 and a half, something like that. My brother actually went and took a loan with me. And, um... So I
0: had to pay the loan on that, and then the insurance on my vehicles and everything. So I had bills when I was sixteen. Uh, up, you paid for, for you paid for our house. You paid for what? Okay. Yeah, do was, you see? Do was, when was, you say it out it was, loud now? You still? Well, obviously you just said borrow. I don't think you understand <laughs> what the fuck you did. Like, cause you it was such a normal thing for you. And you know what? I actually now understand what people are saying about my life. When I tell them about my life and I'm just like, it's not it's not normal. I mean, isn't it? Or they're like, no, and I'm like, You have the same mentality as me because it's such a no- not that our story is the same, but like our story is not a normal story that people are used to. And I yeah, just never experienced it in the way. That's just that's me, what you know. we're used to, but you have a very inspiring story. Do you know that? No, I never I've never really told it. Well, you do, um, and uh, I'm telling you that now, that that is the reason, the very reason why these kids are so um, drawn to you, because it's not a natural thing, it, it, like you're being yourself, and it's nonchalant, and you're telling this story, and you think is normal, where none of what you're saying and how the way you turned out would have been somebody else's life. Is what I would say because it's such a it's such it's not normal and it's for years and it's your parents at this point you know what I mean? like I my trauma happened from a, uh, a family member but it wasn't my parents like my parents were loving um, and they and they care for me but you had to deal with this with your parents and your brother being your parent but then he moved out and then you had to be the one working to help pay for the house bills. like You wanna call it borrowing, but you're like, oh, it's borrowing because you paid me back years later. But years later, after you graduated, long graduated, that is yeah. paying house bills and it's probably like the mom guilt of paying you back. But do you realize, like, you're an amazing human being and this, what you're doing right now, all together being. Uh, so patient with your divorce and you know, how your kids love you and how you're an influencer on TikTok and all these other kids are like, I wish you were my dad. Like, do you know what you're doing to like the world and your energy and how positive you are and how much you've inspired people just being you? You know, I never really realized until TikTok. When I, when I would get those comments from so people saying, I had
1: such a rough day and this put a smile on my face, thank you. Or like, I, you know... um going through this experience and seeing you change this in a positive way. My video that I have where I changed after my divorce and stuff. Um, I'm really happy I saw this. Like, it's little things like that that made me realize that I was being inspirational. People other than that, I just never really
0: noticed. I'm telling you now, like, you can write a book, you can, it could be a movie on your story. It's such, it is not a normal fucking story. Let's just say that. I mean, your parents are still anyways let's just finish i i just wanted to tell you that that you're not fucking normal and you are an inspiration and your story (laughs) is amazing and you're an amazing person for like having such amazing relationship with your own kids and trying to be this patient person with your ex-wife and like being so humble about it and not even knowing that's the best part about this is that you don't even recognize it and i i have to say that i'm very like impressed by how you're handling everything so um Sixteen years old, three jobs. You finish high school, and then what happens?
1: Um. Well. Uh, that's when my life totally changed. I I made mistakes. Um. Yeah. I wasn't. I was an adult on some things, but in some things I was just. I just wasn't going up. And. Uh,
0: I mean, you don't blame yourself for that because you basically had to wing it your entire life. Yeah. You didn't even have an adult to even look up to. I mean, you had your brother, but really he wasn't the adult that you needed in your life and there's nothing that you could everybody would have done if they would not have even done half the shit that you did like all of us made stupid mistakes especially when we were fucking imagine when you're 18 and then how because we talked about this how we how we're so different and 18 and then 25 and 30 and 35 is like literally so you're a different person like you're a no more, you're more knowledgeable and, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, I thought I knew stuff back then, but no, now I really know. So, I, you know, people are really hard on themselves and you are really hard on, I mean, it's a natural thing for all of us to be, but the mistakes, every time someone makes a mistake, they always level up. I always say that, like, as long as you don't make the same mistake, you know, over and over, then that's, you know, if you keep on making it over and over, you're fucking stupid. Um, but when you learn from a mistake and you take that on and you literally better your life then you it's it's a positive thing and that's what you carry on and forgive yourself because that's the biggest thing is people are not able to forgive themselves um so anyways you're a teenager and then you moved out of your house what age did you move out like did you
1: move out uh, right right uh, uh it was like right around graduation it was like a week before graduation
0: graduation <laughs> from high school you moved into your own place
1: no i moved in with a friend um, that also went to school with me. I got him a job at McDonald's with me. And uh, there was a bunch of us that had moved into the house. Um, co-workers and stuff like that. And your so parents
0: did not think this is weird? Because you're, I guess your brother left at 17, too?
1: No, my, my, my mom at that point was like, she was really mad that I wanted to move out. She wanted me to stay. And she was basically like, you know, I'll disown you if you move out. Yeah, because you are paying the bills, probably. Yeah, but she was she was very mad that I wanted to move out. And I just didn't want to live there anymore.
0: Well, so was she exactly mad because we, she would have missed you? Like, what was it? I'm just fucking assuming at this time, and I'm I shouldn't. All we
1: ever did, all we ever did was argue. I mean, from like 16 to 18, all we ever did was argue. It wasn't a very healthy relationship. Um, and
0: so your dad's I, out the house already at this point.
1: Yeah, he, he divorced my mom when I was two. So, um, I my early childhood, it was back and forth to my dad's every other weekend. He lived in um, like an hour away, hour and a half away. So,
0: did he remarry, or he was just out there living? He, he had,
1: had a girlfriend probably when I was three um on all the way through my high school and then they they separated a couple years after I graduated. But so I had I called her my stepmom because I mean she was Yeah, she you know, yeah. So you know I had, She was um, she healthy? Is anybody any adult healthy in your life? She she, she was a sweetheart. Uh, she was a really nice lady. So we got along with her
0: Oh hold on it is call her mom. I can't hear you. Hold on. I think it's like yeah, it's cutting it out. I can hear you. Man. I can hear you now. Okay. Okay, so, go ahead.
1: It's kind of funny cuz um my my brother growing up, like he bullied the crap on him. You know, it was that brotherly love? And uh oh, like I, I did not expect to be as close to him as I did when I was younger, cause I hated I You know, I hated it. he always picked on me and, you know, I I always of a lot of the kids that come to me and they talk about their brothers and their sisters kind of bullying them getting, um getting in that aspect i tell them you know i was like i kind of went through the same thing and i said and me and my brother are the closest like to each other like period like there's nobody in our lives aside from our kids that we're as close to Mm -hmm. and um i was like it's it's almost like a process you know it's 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 better that they do it than somebody that you don't know because they have love behind it you know and it's uh I don't. I can't tell you when it changed, when it turned. Maybe it was when he became protective and, and stood there for me, and then all of a sudden, you know, I just like like we became super inseparable.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and you have that relationship but, now, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like we, we. It's hard to not talk to him every day. You know, yeah. It's really odd. But yeah. Um,
0: and then you got married my, when you were. Oh no, you met your wife at nineteen. You guys went to school together, and so then that the whole thing started.
1: Yep, um, she she just moved back from her uh, ex husband. Well, he was still her husband at the time; they weren't even filed for divorce. But she came back um, at 19, and then we got together right before she turned 20. And uh, so that's basically how that started. And um, I always, when I was when I was a young kid, this kind of weird. I always really wanted a family. I always really wanted a wife and kids. And whenever I was a kid. That's the game I would play all the time. My favorite game to play was house. I just always wanted a wife and kids, ever since I was, I really wanted a family.
0: Do you know why um, you are like
1: that? I'm assuming now it's because I never really had it. Yes, I really wanted
0: it. it is so. definitely the reason <laughs> why you wanted that and why you're so healthy now, why you're so different from your parents because that's what you wanted. You, you were missing that in your childhood. It is 100% that um i mean i'm not a psychiatrist or a therapist but i have helped many people i've gone to therapy i've read a lot about it and you know in my own life um i find myself doing that whatever i'm missing in my childhood i find that i try that that's what i want for myself yeah. you know so um you figured it out now or just as we're talking or like no no
1: i mean i I've- help develop me into my future what I wanted so I didn't really care to go to college I didn't care to have like a super high paying job
0: um like but all you wanted was a family now when you met your wife when you met your wife at that time because you guys were high school high school friends or middle school you guys grew up together
1: yeah we were just friends
0: okay so then when you met her was it like I want to marry her because I want a family or you always had a crush on her or like no,
1: she, she had a crush on me, and uh, it's kind of funny because my friend had a big crush on her, and he confronted her and asked her out, and she said no, and then she t- confessed to him that she had a thing for me, and he came and told me, and then I confronted her about it, and that's how the whole thing started.
0: Oh, wow. Well.
1: Yeah, it was kind of weird.
0: But, but no, So, anyways, I But I have another question so we can, we can go further to this, but then you're, okay, so we need to, we need to wrap up this whole, like, you moved on, <laughs> you moved away, and then your mom and dad, at that point, do you stop talking to your mom? Because you don't have a relationship with your mom now.
1: Not really. Um, ironically, she lives with my stepmom.
0: What? <laughs> <Yeah>. Wait, what? <laughs> like, I have yeah, a, I'm have. raising talking. my hand again. You guys don't see this. Yeah. But your dad, you're talking about the, your <laughs> Oh, hold on! Hold on! I'm not laughing because it's funny, but your dad's girlfriend that she he was with until up to when you were a high school stepmom, and the stepmom and your mom lives together in the same house on purpose, yep, yep,
1: because they know. When when my stepmom and my dad split, my mom and my stepmom became friends.
0: So they were friends the entire time that your dad and your mom. Wait, he, were they Were not they friends after was with your friends. step? So did? Oh my god! So then she was yeah. like, "Oh, I broke up with your hus- uh, ex-husband. You want to be friends? Like, what? Do you guys live in the same yeah, neighborhood? Yeah. Like, what happened? What? What? Is there anybody? Not anybody else in the facility? Like, what?" <laughs> no, it
1: was, you know they had something in common. Um, they both just had something against my dad, and they could they could consoling each other about it. So that's did you we not think more. it's
0: weird? Okay, <laughs> do you not think this is weird? Because
1: it's fucking not weird. really. I mean, I did at first. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. You know, you guys hated each other whole life, not your friends, but...
0: But they <laughs> live together. Okay, I get the whole... They're friends, whatever. But they live together?
1: What? She... Okay, so what happened was... What
0: happened my, was... Please tell my me.
1: Mom, <laughs> my mom, when she got out of jail, had nowhere to go, and me and my ex-wife let her move in with us. So...
0: I was trying Did you to just her, say your mom got out of jail and she had nowhere to go and she lived with you in New York? City? Like, you can't just drop shit like that and think that this is fucking normal. Like, wait, hold on. Why are your mom going to jail?
1: <laughs> no, they <after> selling drugs. <laughs>
0: oh, on drugs?
1: Yeah, she's, she's selling drugs. Okay. So she spent a year a year in jail and then um, when she got out, she had nowhere to go and her family basically really her, like, her, her mom and her sisters and everybody. So me and my ex-wife... Let her move in with us. This is when you guys
0: were married. And when we were married. How old are you at this point?
1: Uh, well, this one was this last year. Huh? About two, year, two years ago when we let her This go. is recent. This is recent. The day she moved out is the day that I caught
0: Maxwell cheating. What? Because the day the your mom moved out? I have so many... Yep. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about right now? Okay. Hold on. Hold, hold. Let's slow Let's slow it down for one second for us sure. people that want to understand this story. Because what... Okay, two years ago, it is 2020. You're talking about 2018?
1: 2018.
0: Okay, 2018, you and your wife are still together. Yep. Okay, your mom moved in with you and your ex-wife and five kids. Because she got out of jail and she had nowhere to go. She She was, okay, so now she's in the house and, okay, she's in the house living with you and she was, a year later she moves out like why did she move out because you guys are getting divorced like she found out about like what the, the, the
1: day i the day i caught my ex that morning i came home and my mom was basically i told her i was like i'm i'm gonna be leaving and she's like my mom was so mad at my my wife for doing what she did that she's like i can't be here because it'll not be healthy for the kids because she'll just they'll just argue and you know she wanted to she was so angry at Maxwell for what she did.
0: She's like, I can't be here, I can't be right Oh, that's all. the only time she wanted to be a mom. But yeah. anyways, um, so that's why she left. Okay, you Okay. That's why she left. And you you, you did you really skip that whole we talked we talked about you. What? Okay, so this she <laughs> This is not fucking funny. I don't know why the fuck I'm laughing. But like what? Okay, so she moves, She she leaves, where the fuck she goes, you don't know, she's like, I'm out.
1: No, she, no, she went to my uh, stepmom, or my, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, my, my stepmom. So 2018,
0: well, was, this happens, 2019. Uh, when,
1: she, when she moved out of in 2019, because it was a year after. She moved in in 2018, a year later, um, she moved out, so she lived with us for almost a year.
0: So two thousand nineteen, and then she's like, I need to go. So your stepmom was. They were friends already, and she was like, I need to go yeah, because okay, so because you're about to leave, and then okay, so then that's how that happened. <laughs> this is not funny at all. This is not fucking funny. So it's only been a, okay. Not that like I only been a year is still a normal thing, but like okay, so they live together. Just those two women in a in a house together, just just. My, the only thing they have in common is they're both with your dad, married to your dad.
1: My, my stepmom has. So it was them two and her boyfriend.
0: But your so stepmom is not into drugs.
1: She also was, yes, but she never got trouble for it. So it was it, the reason why we could have had her move in earlier, but we didn't. We didn't think it'd be a good influence on her. We always thought that me and my brother discussed it, would have been better. If she lived with me because I kept an eye on her and kept her
0: out of it. So but you wanted to take never, that responsibility, which is great. You got five kids, and you were like, "Oh, I'll take my mom too." That came out of jail. This like, so your your mom got back into drugs. Or she not back in... like what is happening
1: like? As of right now, we're hoping she's not, but
0: but you don't it. talk to her enough to know. No. You're basically yeah. like washing your hands with it, and you're moving on with your own life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, she sometimes she comes to the uh, the kids' birthday party. Sometimes she doesn't. You know, it depends on how she's feeling that day. She's she wants to stay home, stay in bed, or whatever. Um, it all depends. Kind how
0: does of the, it make you day feel day. now, as a thirty-three-year-old man that? is a father and knows what it means to be a parent to see your mom still in the same playing the same role of this drug addict
1: I I figure it's best for me mentally not to take responsibility it's not your responsibility
0: and I'm thinking it's like thank God that you can separate that and understand that that's not your responsibility because that is a heavy burden on you but it seems like you've really just cut things out but are you dealing with your emotions about it or are you just fucking numb and trying not
1: to- no clue i just i just when i cut my feelings I that's it and then um i just keep on going i mean i don't i don't ever have pent-up rage i don't ever have feelings that I feel like just like build up over time I mean you don't I, have any resentment
0: there's no, nothing like you're just like whatever no. this is how it is like I gotta move on what makes you yeah, think yeah. like that it's such a hard thing for me to even grasp because I am not dealing with that trauma in my life that you're continuing to, to deal with but you're not dealing know, like, like how are you
1: what I'm able to separate myself when something's not my responsibility when, when I get to the point where it's like there's nothing i can control of I pass it on and I I just say it's not part of my responsibility and I don't think about it. So how do you not think about
0: how do you tell people not to think about it? Your brain is is there any coping mechanism that you can tell somebody because that's really hard to do for somebody to be like, I you know, you can cut that out. I mean, it would it's easier said than done is what I would say about that. Or is it just something that you've are numb about like you've been dealing with this your whole entire life?
1: Yeah, I just, I've just been like that ever since I was a kid. I, I just, if, if I, uh, if I dwell on things, it eats me alive. So I just taught myself not to dwell. I don't know how. I just, some things that really, really matter to me, like, like, um, during a relationship with my ex wife, I would dwell on things that happened in the past and it would eat me alive. And, uh,
0: when you say eat me so, alive, it's, what are you feeling at that point when you like say I, that?
1: Like, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it and I, I would think about, um, you know is, is this the whole truth? Did this actually happen? Um, could this have happened? you know and I, I think the worst all the time. You know.
0: That's anxiety. Uh, Do you think you have mental illness?
1: I, I'm very well good. I don't know. Never really looked into it.
0: So you know that I mean I'm a doctor, but what you just said was anxiety is what you're feeling. um When you when I mean, your mind I, I, when goes like, to the worst case scenario, and it happens often, like, it could be in any scenario, and it's your daily life where you're literally dealing with that type of um, thinking, because one in four people have, have mental illness. It's not something that is rare, like, at all, but men mostly don't talk about it because they, in society, makes them feel weak about it, but suicide rates are very high with men, um, and they are very well dealing with it, but... That's how they're dealing with it. Is is, you know, they push it away. But do you feel like you can't talk about it or think that you have it because of society? How it makes you as because you're really manly. Like this dude is like six, what six one, six two, whatever, and you're like really muscular. You're like this. Like if I saw you in the streets, I wouldn't be like, I would not mess with you. Like you're a big dude, but like. As I'm doing my podcast and I'm talking about things on there, I have friends who are, like, pretty big. They're bigger than you. You're the same size. Wife and kids dealing with all this stuff, and they privately text me or message me. It was like, I feel that. I feel... Because in one of my episodes, you, you heard up to episode four, right? So episode two... I describe all the mental illness feelings of like what, how I feel when I feel anxiety, when I feel depression, it looks like this for me. And when I describe that, my listeners are like, I felt, I feel that, like I'm so, you know, it makes me feel better that I'm not alone. Because they, they don't talk about it with their friends, they don't talk about it with their family, they don't talk about it with their wives, because it's, that's all they, they just deal with it because they have to deal with it. But some people are not that mentally strong. And when they go through so many things on top of another, um, they were trained. I mean, it's unfortunate that you were trained as a child to be numb. But like some people deal with that in a in a fucked up way because they haven't dealt with something like that, and then when they're you know get the forced and they feel it and they don't know how to train themselves, so. What, when I say your story is not normal, like it's really not normal because when people deal with what you're dealing with now with a divorce, it already debilitates them. So I'm not a doctor, but I would say that they didn't—they weren't trained, their mind wasn't trained to do that, and naturally, you know, we feel sad and it, some of them don't make it very far in life, like they're dead. Um, so how do you even, as a man, how do you help, say your son's going through this, and they never had mental illness and they didn't have they didn't have real lifestyle and like they you know, they didn't get trained and they end up getting divorced and they're like, I this is eating me up and you are like, Oh, I can just push it away because you've been trained but they haven't been trained. So how would you tell your kids how to like cope with it?
1: Well I, I from an early age I tried to train my kids to be I shouldn't say independent but to learn how to deal with their emotions without relying on other people because um, that's what I had to do and that's the only way I know how to do it.
0: So you and do talk to your I'm kids wrong. about mental illness. That is mental health.
1: Yeah, yeah all the time. Yeah,
0: Because I mean, I you I mean, use the word emotions, but people don't use the word mental health, mental illness because it's stigma yeah. on it, but you do talk to your kids about emotions and you are doing the same thing I'm doing because when I went through my trauma, I don't want my kids to ever feel that. And how to deal with it, so they, they can protect their own minds. So you're you're talking to your kids about their emotions, and it's okay for them to talk about that. And this is how you deal with it. So you you're training your kids about mental health at a yeah, young age. They're all different. Well, all the kids are different. Yeah. Great. Both of my kids have different types of mental illness. But did you yeah. realize that you were doing that?
1: I mean, I, I I from day one I knew that, especially in today's society with social media, that they had to be strong. They had to be able to handle anything that came at them and prepare them for life when they're growing up and, and jobs. And I had to grow up very early too. And um, I didn't really live much of a childhood childhood. And I, I still want them to live a childhood. That's how yeah. I, want, I want them to run around, play games, play with their friends, so on. But when they come into their situations where they don't know what to do, I sit back and I, I tell them to evaluate everything and, and ask them, where is the importance of what's going on right now? And, and is the way that you're reacting needed? you know, are, are you over, think about this, are you overreacting or could you handle this better? Um, because it's not really as important as you feel like it is, you know, and they, they sit back and they're like, you're right. This is, this is something small. You know, it could be worse," and, um, and it calms them down. And that's, that's one of the things that goes through my head all the time. You know, it's like, this is bad, but it could be worse, you know? Um,
0: and it's helped them, obviously, because your kids are I mean, I've gone through their videos and they're such they look like such happy kids. Um, I'm assuming that the mom is I mean, she's a good mom, but like they are respect I mean, I don't know how she's raising them, but they seem like very happy kids and I'm assuming that you talk to them all, all the time because you're you're very like you do your daughter's hair. I think that was the first video that I liked and I was like, Oh my god, like this is a big ass dude, like braiding like brushing right. hair. Yeah. Um, and playing with your kids, so like it's naturally like that because you wanted that as a kid and you look back at it now and realize that that's what's happening but well, obviously when you're doing it it's you're not thinking like that in, in reality that's how my brother was for me you know if, if i go back and i think
1: about it if i didn't have my brother in my life i very well could have gone in drugs i could have gone into drinking i didn't have anybody to guide me any other way and he tried to guide me through sports he tried to guide me to better myself to to be as strong as i could and to to be uh to be where I could, I could be happy with myself and, and when I would do sports and I realized how good I was at sports, it made me feel really good about myself and, and it made me want to better myself and when I did team sports, it made me realize that, that there's other people in my life and I'm not alone, you know, that other people are going to need to rely on me to do things and, and when I would do things in those sports and,
0: Uh-oh.
1: and everybody would be like, like, yes, yes you know
0: uh oh, it's cutting in and out I can't hear you Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I heard that. Now that, you, now that I think about this, and I have to talk to my husband about this, he loved playing football. And I think it's because he felt a part of a family. And he always yeah. wanted the kids to... Well, first of all, my kids can't play football. 1st They're Asian, okay? They, they will not make it. And they're not going to the pro NFL, okay? Do some math. Do something else. Like, your ass is not doing football. Th- because I heard my cousin... <laughs> I heard a story about... I have... Two big cousins that played football and, you know, they can handle that because they they big, right? My kids can't. But I remember them saying, freshman year, sophomore year, one of their friends was paralyzed playing high school football. And I was like, we are not going to the NFL. I don't need my kids to be paralyzed. So, like, I never got them into that. But my ex-husband was, like, this star quarterback. And he still talks about it. And, like, we live in a small town and, like, I actually still hear about it. But then I would people would run into us, and they're like, oh, my God, it's Eric Cerezo, Star- Is your you have two boys, are your boys playing football? And I was like, hell no, like, they're not, look at them, look at them. But now I understand what he's saying, that, like, he felt a part of a family, because with his story is that he, um, his dad remarried to, actually, my best friend that's how I met my husband, my best friend's mom, and, you know, they had three kids and he was like the older kid and like he, you know, with the age gap and things like that, he, you know, was in his own world. But he felt like a family there. And now that that you said that, now I understand where he's coming from and it's like clicking now. A lot of things yeah. are clicking now with me, my ex-husband, how he, and even for him, because we never talked about any of this. Like you heard on episode three, like a lot of those, everything that we talked about was literally nothing we ever talked about before. Like, him talking about how he felt abandoned, and I'm like, you never fucking said that before. Like, you mean, you know, what? Like, none of those things were said before. Um, So, now that, like, because you, I mean, I didn't know I had mental illness until I was almost 30. So, none of those things clicked until I went to, you know, for marriage counseling with my ex-husband. So, when I ask you these things, is because I didn't know. Like, do you know that you are talking about mental Did you know that you, you know, none of this, because I, I'm not... We're, we're, we are we're used to our lives the way our, we're used to it. And we go about our business because we're just trying to, like, make it another... Like, we're just doing what we're normally doing. But when people look at our lives and we tell our stories to people, they're like, what? And I'm like, you know, because I'm doing this to you. And you're like, nah. You know, but now I understand that, like, our story is not fucking normal. Like, none of You... I mean when you say you never told the story before you have told the story before because when you're talking about your story it's like nonchalant like you talk to somebody about it like your friends like they all know your story but like do you not does your obviously your friends not having
1: never really got into depth like this before i mean they know that i work three jobs and stuff like that but never really talked about like my brother raising me and, and getting me into sports and me not wanting to or anything like that like that stuff just never really gets brought up
0: so when you're with your friends, are they doing the same thing you're doing, moving out, the same age? Like are their parents like what? Like why is this not like hello, this is weird, like nobody told you that?
1: I, I was very I don't know the the term to call it not inverted, but I I barely had friends. Um in school I was the kid that would sit by myself and people would surround themselves around me. I would not surround myself around people. So I just I could care less to have friends. I didn't I didn't really care to have anybody in my life. Um
0: Is that when you think you started feeling numb about that? Is that when you probably started training yourself then? Like, I don't want to have feelings. I was heavily bullied as a kid and I just didn't trust people. And
1: uh, yeah, I don't know. I did not not want to be around people. I didn't trust them. Um,
0: How are you so, like, you are so positive and so patient. And you didn't even mention anything about bullying. Like, all these things is so much for one one thing that you've gone through. And someone said this to me, and it literally hit me. What they're like, they said to me, they typed on it, it's in black, black and white. And they're like, one thing that you've gone through would have put me on my knees. And I have to say the same thing to you, that, like, one thing that you went through would have, like, literally... I can't imagine because I've never gone through it. Like, do you ever feel that your life is a book? Like, you've gone through so much and you should be so proud of yourself that you've, like, made it to be this amazing person and an amazing father to your kids. Like, do you see your, yourself like that? Do you see yourself as an inspiration? No,
1: no I just I just look at myself as, as the next piece of the puzzle and that my kids are next and that they, I, I have to do my part and then let them raise up and... and take their journey and hopefully they can keep passing it on. you know um i don't i don't really think about anything more than that i kind of have a very very small scope when it comes to who,
0: who i'm in who i'm important to so uh if we're actually at an hour or i feel like every time we talk about the i don't want to end it but like i like to wrap it up within an hour so that it's you know so our listeners are able to like break off from this and like go on with their lives for the day because i could literally go on forever but i always leave obviously with a good takeaway from this story about this episode and what i would say to everybody listening your situation does not define you you whoever and and a lot of people um gets judged for the decision that they make, how they live their life. Like, you know, when I say that your story, oh, you're still nice to your ex-wife, and like, you know, I'm basically putting my thoughts on you but whatever anybody says to you whatever i'm saying to you whatever that you you are the one that is living that life you are the one that needs to know your truth and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks you cannot make anybody you cannot make everybody happy it is impossible so what i would say is make yourself happy know that like any negative things that come towards you from other people is a reflection of themselves it has nothing to do with you and i'm going to take your words and it's not your responsibility to be responsible for any other person but yourself and your kids everybody else needs to like take care of themselves and don't put that burden on yourself or else it literally will eat you alive like that's what i would say after this episode what would you you know give on a positive note where people could walk away from this and like how would they learn from this episode that's
1: basically it worry about you um if, if there's anything about you that you are not happy with Look at yourself and be like, how can I improve this? Research, do something and, and fix it. And you, when you feel better about yourself, the the world becomes endless. You just literally just feel so much more confident, so much more driven and worry about you. Yes. Don't worry about bettering other people. Just worry about bettering yourself. Fix, your, fix the things you are not happy with and um, focus on you. And uh, life will be much easier if you don't try to take the burden of other people's thoughts.
0: No, it is not your thought and keep keep being positive with everything going on with with the coronavirus and like how we're dealing with it as a, 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 it's a global pandemic like it's we're all dealing with it and if you do not change your thought to be positive you would not end up very well protecting your mind and that's not the road that you deserve to be on you deserve to be loved you're worthy enough to get through this all of us are and you know if you need anything to remind you it's you know we have google we have youtube there's so many inspirational um, speeches affirmations that you can read there's so many things out there that you can put your hands on um to help you because i'm not saying that it's not going to be hard but it's it is possible. You have two living proof of people living with, you know, we grew up in not a very great childhood, but we made something out of ourselves and we're going to continue to do that. And both of us are strong mentally. We are looking at life positive um, because going the other way is deathly. It's not something for us and it should never be anything for you. So Thank you for listening to this episode. Scott, you're amazing. This is I can do so many more episodes with you. Um, I'm so glad you, I mean, it's like late. It's one in the morning here in um, Maryland and in Wisconsin. It's midnight. So yeah, thank you for like everything. Um, high five it. Like I am loving all our episodes. Thanks guys for listening. Until the next time. Bye.